On the move, on the move, on the move, good people. This is Mike Africa Jr. And this is my podcast where we illuminate the struggles of the people inform the uninformed to give you nothing but the truth on the move is here to disrupt the system and spark a global revolutionary change the change is what we need like sam cook said a change is going to come but like gandhi said you got to be the change you want to see in the world and even though gandhi wasn't perfect he said some things that was true and when the power of truth is present you better respect it because in the words of john africa the power of truth is final so this week i've got someone who's been here before they have been key in breaking the story and the pen in princeton continuously focusing on the atrocities that was brought against my family by the city of Philadelphia. They are an organizer, a writer in West Philadelphia. They are a co-founder of the Black and Brown Workers Cooperative. Without further ado, I want the people out there to say, on a move to Abdul Ali Muhammad. On a move. On a move, man. On a move is like aloha. It's how we mm-hmm. say hello and it's how we say goodbye. So that's how we do that. Yes. How you feeling today? I feel good. I feel grounded. I'm hot, but I feel good. <laughs> it's hot out. The temperature today is cremate. Yes. It's, it's, it's cooking out there it's, today. It's on, yeah, on bake. <laughs> there you go. So we have a segment called Gimme Two. Mm-hmm. So tell me two things that made you smile this week. That made me smile? Yes. Oh, wow. That's a good one. So I would say the first thing that made me smile, I got the opportunity to be with the family of Dominique Remy Fells. Mm-hmm. A black trans woman who was murdered in Philadelphia last June. And this past Sunday, there was a Say Her Name march. Uh-huh. And I got to support the family kind of being present at the march. And it was just such a beautiful event. Just seeing her family kind of support her in her afterlife mm-hmm. like that was mm-hmm. really inspiring to see how folks show up for their lost ones. How are the families doing? You know, it's intense because Dominique's birthday is coming up in mm-hmm. July. So, you know, it's just the weight of the anniversary. Yeah. So the reminder and the, mm-hmm. the age that she would have been. Right. And all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, But to see the family yeah. and get to spend some time with them. Yeah. It was joyous to like be in their presence and support them. So that made me smile. Just being able to show up in that kind of way for them. And then I would say the other thing that made me smile this week I don't know. That's hard. These are this is a good. This question. isn't good. This isn't good. I mean, I know there's a lot of things that has happened mm-hmm. that are good. Yeah. You know, it's important for us to pay attention to those moments and mm-hmm. savor those moments and think. There's so much bad things happening. That's true. And I know I put you on the spot too. Though <laughs> two things that made me smile this week. Mm-hmm. So my kids, right? Mm-hmm. They love animals and they love their family and their cousins and mm-hmm. all their friends. And my daughter has been pestering me. She's daddy, daddy. Can we get a kitten? Can we get a kitten? And I'm like. We've been through this. We have animals in the house already. And she's like, I want a kitten. And somebody over there Mm -hmm. found a cat that had some kittens. Okay. And they brought the kitten home. And even though I was like, no, no more. We have dog. We have Mm -hmm. a cat. We have animals. Right. When I saw the look on her face when we brought that kitten (laughs) in the house, the kitten's name is Stormy. Stormy. That's a nice name. A great kitten. Little tiny thing. I couldn't be more than a few weeks old. Yeah. She smiled and that made me smile. When kids are happy, it always yeah. brings the joy to you, you know. And the other thing that made me smile was she told me she was going to take care of him. Okay. I mean, I know this is related, mm-hmm. but in addition to that first smile, I got another one because she was like, she's going to take care of him. And, <laughs> and I'm you like, were like, great. <laughs> I don't have to do it. 
That's yep. good. One last thing. And she's up at 6 a.m. making sure that the cat has water, making sure oh, the wow. cat has food, and changing the litter box. That's good. Yeah. So we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. There's a lot of things happening that is adding on to information that we already knew. In case people don't know, you wrote the opinion piece about Penn and Princeton's desecration of Delicia and Tree's remains, right? Yes. If people want to learn more about that, they can check out episode 20 because you were yes. here to talk about these things. But since then, you released, what, two more? Did you release yeah, two more? two more specifically about, about move, move and what mm-hmm. happened. And the first in the Philly Inquirer. Mm-hmm pressuring the city to do the thorough investigation. And the second one was in the Billy Penn, starting about the move bombing being deliberate. Right. Let's talk about the first article. Okay. Since then, we found that there have been more moans mishandled. Yeah, in the city, city of Philadelphia. Has anything come through on your end about the article? Have people been reaching out to you about it? What's come through there? Yeah, I think a lot of people were miseducated about move. I think the press in large is anti-black, is racist, specifically is antagonistic to move. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like what has carried the story. I think you're doing an amazing job at redirecting or reframing the story or providing a counter narrative to what is in the ethers. But for years, you know, people have been consuming wrong information about what happened on May 13th, 1985. And it shows when you are in conversation with people. Mm-hmm. So details matter. What are some of those details that matter that people have gotten wrong? So I think in terms of that article that you referenced, which was about the kind of chain of custody mm-hmm. conversation, you know, Alan Mann and Janet Monge, who were both anthropologists, connected to Penn, and then Mann leaves Penn to go to Princeton and is now a retired professor. Uh-huh. They have been saying for years that they basically were given the remains by the person who was like the deputy medical mm-hmm. examiner. Did they say a name? Seagal. Okay. Yeah. This is Robert Seagal? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. They basically said that they were given the remains to give these set of remains personhood that they couldn't prove who the remains belonged to, which mm-hmm. is not true. Why do you say it's not true? It's not true because there was three examinations of the remains. Okay. So immediately after, like days after the bombing happened, mm-hmm. the medical examiner, they kind of bungled the remains because they didn't properly excavate, I guess the word is, or they didn't properly handle the scene, the crime scene, as a crime scene. So the two days after, they come in to Osage Ave and they basically use cranes mm-hmm. to... The claw? Yeah, the claw. Yeah, I don't even know what the machine is called. Yeah. But they basically bring down the rest of the structure of the block onto the remains of people. And they pick up big chunks of what is on the ground. And the medical examiner doesn't intervene until someone, a neighbor, sees a body part dangling from a crane. And that's when the medical examiner intervenes on the people with the machinery and says, stop. A neighbor saw? A neighbor saw a leg dangling off of a crane and they knew that people were inside so why didn't you kind of do what they do typically which is to kind of carefully excavate right carefully excavate and retrieve remains when they saw the body part that's when they decide that they were going to stop using the machines and then actually do what they normally do so this was like disrespect this was desecration from in murder right so you murder people you shoot at them and then you bomb them and then you kind of 
mix up the remains. And then they take the remains to the medical examiner's office. And then Seagal, because the, the lead medical examiner, Aronson, Aronson, yeah, he was told to like step back from the case by then health commissioner. And I believe that person's name is Stewart. Mm-hmm. He was told that he couldn't remain on the case. So the things that you're hearing from people that are mm-hmm. getting these facts wrong, mm-hmm. how do you simplify some of these answers? Yeah, so... What you hear is that there was a good reason why they held on to the remains. That's not true. That's what people say? Yeah. Like, oh, they must have had a reason because they're academic. Why would they just hold on to remains? They did it because they were trying to investigate who the remains belonged to. But what we see in the archive at Temple, just looking at the historical record in terms of articles mm-hmm. produced from that time, is that man specifically knew in Manch, but man in the press knew what the commission had agreed on in terms of who these remains belonged to. Because mm-hmm. after Mann and Manj look at the remains and identify people, then it went to the commission that investigated what happened on May 13th. And then Ali Hameli does two examinations. And he basically says that the remains that were up for debate in terms of who they belonged to belonged to Delisha. And then there was some questions definitely about Tree's remains and that those remains belonged to Tree. And then the commission says to the medical examiner's office at the end of it, we examined the remains. And so this is the official record. And then you should release those remains per your usual procedures. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They obviously did not why didn't do that. They, why didn't they release the remains? Why are they keeping them? I think it's deliberate. And why, though? Th- like, do you want to know my... Well, I want to know I, what you think. What I think, I yeah. think it's... I mean, this is not fact necessarily yeah. but this is your opinion based on your study of this case of this incident based on what you think about this from your standpoint what do you think they are using these bones as anthropological trophies they are is that something that anthropologists do well anthropology is a white supremacist kind of construct and it's deeply rooted in eugenics and darwinism i think that people who are anthropologists especially man and manj see black people as exotic see black people as like things to behold and to retain, right? Our remains, mm-hmm. our bodies, our histories, our stories. And that's in the legacy of people like Samuel Morton, who they uphold as like a great scientist. So we talked about Samuel Morton once or twice on the show. Right. White supremacists, mm-hmm. right? Who collected thousands. Yeah, thousands. Thousands of skulls. Skulls of African-American people. Yeah, and indigenous and... And poor, indigenous. Mm-hmm, and other folks. Were any of them white? Some poor white what was folks. The, what was the purpose? You ever heard the root song Phrenology? I don't know. So Phrenology is about measuring the skull. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And basing your understanding of someone's intelligence on that. So he, his idea was that he believed that black people were a subspecies or like weren't from the same lineage as white people and that we didn't have capacity for thought. And so, therefore, that meant that we should be enslaved Mm. because we couldn't think for ourselves. We were savages. So that's what ultimately his framework was. And so he measured black people's skulls to prove that. You know, it's funny when people have their opinions and they use their opinions to do horrible things to people. I always find it funny when that's the reason they do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, because like we got our own feelings and thoughts about people, too. Right. Imagine if we acted out some of the things that we feel. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, the government dropped the bomb on our house. It killed 11 people. 
Imagine if we had that same kind of mm -hmm. behavior. Well, yeah. we think that this is what should happen. So guess what? We're just going to do this thing. Yeah. And the people kill me with this thing about they had a reason or they must have had a mm -hmm. reason. That's the kind of attitude that allows these people to continue to do these things. Because if you believe they must have had a reason, you give them a pass. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens when these things happen to their people? Exactly. Then they want to make all kinds of excuses. I was talking to my sister today and we were talking about the O.J. Simpson case. They were saying that these people that say that Mumia was found guilty in a court of law and therefore he should stay in prison, he should die, death penalty, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then those same people will come back and say, yeah, but fuck OJ, he did it. Mm -hmm. Like he was found innocent mm -hmm. in the same court of law in this country. So how are you going to, on the one hand, say Mumia's guilty, fry the nigger, mm -hmm. but then on the same token say, yeah, well, they got it wrong when it comes to OJ. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's a double standard. Mm -hmm. It's like black women are compassionate. You know, they're the angry black woman, though. Mm -hmm. It's so fucked up yeah. how they just flip the laws. They change it to fit what they believe and what they feel. Mm -hmm. And then expect us to just accept it. Yeah. And they call it fact. That's the biggest lie. That, right? is, that they call it fact? That Yeah, that they say it's a fact. It's a fact. Right. Or they say that it's objective. Oh, yeah. They're being objective. They're being objective. This is just my opinion. I'm mm -hmm. being objective. Right. Based on the facts. Right. But in the meantime, black people are being picked up and their bodies are being dangled mm -hmm. from claw cranes. Mm -hmm. It's fucked up. It is. It really is. And, you know, these are the same people that will stab a Black Lives Matter flag on their front lawn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. It, and claim that they, you know, they had black friends. <laughs> that's the oh, one. <laughs> that's the one. Mm -hmm. I have plenty of black friends. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of research. Yeah. I know. Tommy Oliver calls himself a research junkie. I'm a research junkie. Yeah. You need to write this book, too. Just putting that out there on your podcast so that people <laughs> what, can expect that. What book? Which book you talk about? About all of this that's happening. My whole experience on this stuff? Well, like your personal experience, but also like the unfolding kind of stuff that's coming up about the city, about Penn, Princeton, I think you are perfectly positioned in terms of being a move member being so connected to the history itself that you should and given the fact that you do research yeah because you know there's gonna be a bunch of books about this yeah and so there needs to be a perspective from move and yeah. i think that you're ideally like positioned to do that well i appreciate the vote of confidence i have been thinking about it uh, a lot of people have mentioned to me that i should write a memoir and i should absolutely just, and i've thought about it I, i'd like to do that i'd like to explore yeah. it uh, you know when do i have time to do it and that's mm, you know, yeah we'll see the thing about writing mm -hmm. it takes so much more time than talking yeah but um, I'll think about that and, and seriously consider it because a lot of people have told me that. I think it's important. <laughs> I definitely feel that we need to speak for ourselves. Absolutely. Like, I appreciate the work that you're doing. Absolutely. Because when we first talked and mm -hmm. you were talking about how you're trying to uplift the demands and make sure that the moves voice is centered in this to make sure that we're, you know, given the proper due in this whole thing that mm -hmm. so that it doesn't get into this other thing from these other people. And I really appreciated that from the beginning. Yeah, I meant it. I mean it. Oh, I, and I see. <laughs> I see. But the second article, when you talk about the deliberate attack, I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard for me to read a lot of this stuff, yeah. right? I, I read some of it. Some of it I already knew. Mm -hmm. But one thing that really stuck with me was the information about how the bomb idea came about. Uh, it wasn't a last-ditch effort no. are the words you used, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm getting chills because, you know, the media will gaslight you. You know, in the process of writing these articles, I've been scrutinized so much by different people about, like, fact-checking and all of that. 
And something about the version of the story that we hear just never set well with mm-hmm. me. Like, I never believed it. I never believed that they tried everything else. I never believed that they didn't know that people were in the house. Or like Some of those stories are like, oh, we didn't know, stuff like that. They didn't know that the, there were yeah. people inside the house? That's some of the story. Like, there's some versions of, like... That? Who says they didn't know that there were people inside uh, the house? Like the, Who goes to arrest people mm-hmm. in an empty house? Right. Like, for example, the person who brought the children past, I guess, the barricade, right. who was an officer, an agent, claimed later on during the commission that... Hold that thought. Mm-hmm. For the people that don't know what Abdul Ali is talking about, the day of May 13th, before the siege began, police officers and officials were setting up the area. And as they were doing this staging, there was a car filled with moved children approaching 6221 Osage Avenue. The police officer moved the barricade out of the way so that that car filled with those children could get into the block. They did not let anyone else into the block, but they allowed that car filled with those kids to go into the house. Yeah. So they're trying to say that they mm-hmm. didn't know. Yeah, that they didn't that they, that, he, that they were in the house, or are claimed, they trying to say that they didn't know that a bomb was going to be dropped? He's he claims that oh he didn't know that the bomb was going to happen, All right? And then you know the fire commissioner says uh, later on that oh I didn't know about that operation. He said he didn't know that it was going to be a bomb drop. Right. So you know like you. I love research. I love unpacking the truth and like figuring out what is the truth. And I think that move deserves so much that can never be given. But I think what move deserves from people like me is that we do whatever we can to actually shine light on what happened and give all that information to you so that you know and that people in the move organization know what happened. Of course, y'all know what happened, but in terms of like the operation that led up to that. And so I was doing research and I came across an old article from May 1985, Mm -hmm. days after Mm -hmm. the bombing that a bunch of investigative reporters from the Inquirer reconstructed the events that led to the bombing. And they uncovered that for 18 months, the bomb disposal unit in the police department, Mm -hmm. headed by Officer Powell, Frank Powell, Mm -hmm. who is the person who you see on video dropping the the bombs, the green satchel. Mm -hmm. He had been in Fairmont Park blowing up lumber in the ground with people under the orders of Gregor Sambor, the police commissioner. And clearly Gregor Sambor was in collaboration or in coordination with the managing director, Leo A. Brooks, who's a black man. And Leo A. Brooks was a general in the armed forces. So for 18 months, they were experimenting with bomb making. And why is this like fucked up? It's fucked up because they're a bomb disposal unit. So they're intended to deactivate bombs. They were actually creating a weapon of war for 18 months prior to what happened on May 13th for a contingency plan for MOVE. It was specifically for MOVE because they had aerial surveillance that they claimed showed a bunker on the roof and that the enclosed porch was reinforced. Mm -hmm. And so they said that they needed to come up with contingency plans. So a bomb was the contingency plan. They also uh, acquired samples of Tovex gel, which is the explosive used in combination with C4 that created the satchel bomb. And they bombed multiple times. So what people forget is that early in the day, they bombed the front of the house with C4, mm-hmm. with a combination of C4. Yeah, I don't think people know that. Yes. You're saying that before the police dropped the bomb, the big right. bomb, 
Yeah. Birdie mentioned that mm-hmm. when he was talking to the, the, in yeah. his deposition. The deposition. Mm-hmm. He said that's when the big bomb mm-hmm. blew up. So in, indicating that there were other bombs. Yeah. And people what, forget what are about these, that. What are these other bombs that people either forget about or don't know about? You know, they start off with water cannons. Let's okay. go back a little bit because we're saying a lot. Okay. But I just want to make sure that we're in order. Okay. Okay. Because you said water cannons. And mm-hmm. I've done my research on water cannons too. Mm-hmm. And those water cannons are extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we say they start off with water cannons, let's recognize that those water cannons are extremely powerful. Oh, yeah, they're powerful. And I know mm-hmm. from my research that firefighters, they're trained to never use those water cannons mm-hmm. on buildings that they know people are inside of. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Yeah. Those hoses are powerful enough to shoot 10 stories straight up into the air. Mm-hmm. So for that to be used, yeah. those things can kill people. Yeah. Okay. So they start off with these water cannons that can kill people, these deadly yeah. weapons. These, they start off with water cannons. Remember that Sunday, May 12th, they start evacuating people. So the houses adjoining the move home were empty. And so they start with water cannons in the bottom of the home. And then they try to shuttle tear gas inside of the home by having officers go to the adjoining homes on the right and the left side of the move home. And so they destroy people's homes by like drilling into the wall to get to the move home from the side. From the other sides. And then they have sharpshooters in the back on Pine Street directly in position to shoot. To shoot people. To shoot people. Yeah. And then they have officers aligned on the alleyway. People were on the perimeter on like Cops Creek, right? And Mm -hmm. on the other side. And so the cops were the only people who had a clear vision of the block. Mm -hmm. Remember, these are the same officers from 78 who were the sharpshooters. So how do people come back with this? They had a reason to. Yeah. They say that because the fortification on the roof was allegedly so strong that they needed to destroy that. But the truth is that they had destroyed the front of the home by using this combination of C4 on the reinforced porch. Mm -hmm. And so they blew a hole into the home from the front. So that's a lie. They claimed that they had to get the roof to get tear gas in the house, but there was clearly a space where they could have, quote unquote, done that if that was what they were trying to intend to do. They also knew that there was gasoline reserves on the roof. You know, and then they claimed that at a certain point, shots were fired from the home. They begin to shoot. In total, they shoot about... 10,000 rounds of ammunition into the home. And then, you know, later on in the day, they gather the helicopter. The helicopter lands right behind that ice skate rink. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm Sim, talking about? Sim skating rink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. There's like space in the back. Yeah, there's a parking lot. It lands there. But the reason I know that is because Lynn Washington was over there and he saw the helicopter land. He saw three officers armed. One had a machine gun. And then he saw another officer with a green satchel. He also saw... Because before he got across the street on Cops Creek, he was in front of their makeshift headquarters on like Walnut. Mm-hmm. And he saw Leo Brooks say something to an officer and point at him. And then he came across the street and then he was like, oh, shit, because he had heard earlier that they might use a bomb. Oh, shit, this might be the bomb. They then fly the helicopter and then they drop that bomb onto the roof. You know what? When they say, well, they had to use tear gas, right? Mm-hmm. Or they had to get the bunker. The thing that comes to mind for me mm-hmm. when I hear something like that is this is our house. Mm-hmm. How are you just going to have to do something in our house? Yeah. And the yeah. warrants, those flimsy warrants mm-hmm. that they didn't even need, mm-hmm. they didn't even carry out. In fact, mm-hmm. the warrants were dropped. Mm-hmm. They were trying to arrest people is what they said. And that's why they were going out there to arrest yeah. people. I've never seen people. I've and, never who, s- and you know who was influential in that? 
Who's that? Edwin Dell. He was the DA. He convinced Woodrow Wilson Good Sr. that he had enough cause to enter the home for eviction. Can we get explicit for a minute? Yeah. This whole process, this mm-hmm. entire state of events. Mm-hmm. was a conspiracy. It was put together mm-hmm. by a mayor mm-hmm. who's black. Who's black and named Woodrow Wilson. What does that mean? These are black people mm-hmm. in a black neighborhood mm-hmm. in a predominantly black city. Mm-hmm. And a black mayor comes in and is the person that is at the helm mm-hmm. when a bomb was dropped on these people. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That he was following the orders of white supremacists, that he was an agent of white supremacy. I mean, there's a lot of words. How how does that make you feel as a black person? It makes me feel angry. I've always been angry at him. I've always been angry at Mayor Good. I have nothing to say to him. I think that his actions are despicable because that's not all he did. He also said some really horrific things in the press. He said, by any means necessary. So he used Malcolm X's words to like enact violence on black people. When Malcolm X intended those words to be used to liberate us. He said, by any means. That's what he said. We intend to take control of the house. Right. And we intend to take possession the, uh, of the house. And the other part that really upsets me is that he was at his house the entire time. From Lynn Washington's account, Mayor Good never came to that site. And so they're in a black ass neighborhood, a black home, black people freely assembled. And they are shuttling tear gas, water cannons. They shoot into the home, 10,000 plus rounds. And you never come there as a mayor? And he knew- Why why do you think he he didn't show up? Because he understood that he was complicit. He was an agent of violence. He understood that because he knew, and people forget that he was the managing director before he was mayor. Mm -hmm. So he had back channel conversations with move people. So he knew people personally, and he still did that. What is it about people like Woodrow Wilson Good mm-hmm. or Conrad Murray mm-hmm. or these other you know people? Yeah. What is it with these people? They want to be white. <laughs> no, it's, I mean it's Woodrow Wilson Good was a respectable Negro who wanted to do good, you know, to tap dance in a good way to perform. He wanted to perform for white people. Apparently, what good was all about titles. He was all about like people who had degrees and stuff. And that's why he hired Gregor Sambor as the police commissioner who was a, he who, was a, who was also a, a war general. Mhm. So Sambor had a master's degree and so Sambor was at the police academy before he becomes the police commissioner. And the reason he was at the police academy, the head of it is because he kept fucking up. And they were like, "Oh, he can't fuck up at the police academy. There's nothing for him to fuck up." Good hires him because the FOP at the time said, you can't hire a black person. You have to give us one of our boys. And he was like, oh, Gregor Sambor, he has a master's degree. But he was an absolute failure. I mean, he was just a horrible person and a horrible police person. I mean, police are all trash, but he was horrible at organization. And that showed up later in 85 when there was an operation where they were trying to arrest drug dealers, quote unquote, around Broad and Cecil B. And he told the press before arriving there to raid the block. And the press were there earlier, and the folks were like, why are you here? Oh, you know, Gregor Sambor is going to raid. So all the folks left, and they ended up harassing and arresting people waiting for SEPTA. And it was a huge lawsuit. So he was just incompetent. He was incompetent. I believe, because I have a different take on why Gregor Sambor was brought in. Okay. I believe that with his military background, Mm -hmm. being a general, he Mm -hmm. served in two wars in this country. Oh, wow. He served in Korea Mm -hmm. and he served in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And he had a lot of military training, Mm -hmm. combat skills. He was a general. Yeah. And he knew how to use weapons. He knew how to command Mm -hmm. people in war. 
So and, did Leo A. Brooks. And Leo Brooks was a brigadier general mm-hmm. from the Pentagon mm-hmm. who had access to military-grade weapons mm-hmm. and knowledge and skills on yeah. how to use them. And I believe that they were specifically called in from this war state of mind Absolutely. to carry out this assault of war. I agree with you. And it's not an accident, yeah, right? No. You know, All of it was deliberate. The hardest thing I ever had to do in my life is still the hardest thing I ever had mm. to do in my life was talk to Wilson Good, trying to get my family out of prison. Mm. The fact that their home makes it bearable. But when I was talking to him, I asked him a question. I said, do you think the people there, May 13th, that killed my family, do you think they were there intentionally trying to kill people? He said, you have to ask me specific people. I said, do you think mm. that the police commissioner intentionally tried to kill my family? He said, I have with 99.9% certainty that he was there to kill everybody in the house. And I asked him about other people too, but the fact that he hired these people, he put these people in place and they did what they did. And then he took full responsibility of it. You know, it just shows that this whole thing was set up long before May 13th. Oh, absolutely. And it speaks exactly to your article about how this was not a last ditch effort. In fact, they were working on trying to do this a year earlier on August the 8th, 1984, but they couldn't get the neighbors to evacuate, so they couldn't accomplish their mission that day. But it's been almost 50 years since MOVE has existed, and Mm. the city, the government, ever since then have been trying to eliminate MOVE. Oh, yeah. And May 13th was not an exception. And what happened with the remains of the children, it brings into question about all these other people that are missing. Mm Mm-hmm. And the caskets that are possibly empty. Yeah. What's in the casket? What's in the casket? Uh, that's a, What's in the box? That's a question I have. And, you know, I heard that Birdie would go to his mother's grave for years after May 13th. And so who's in the casket? Can we be certain that he was visiting the remains of his mom? That's something I've never done. When May 13th happened and all of this dust was settling, my grandmother asked me, did I want to go with her to the funeral? I was seven years old at, mm. at the time. And I don't think she wanted me to go, but I think she felt like she had to ask. And I didn't go. And since that day, I've never been asked to go. I've never gone. And knowing that there's possibly no one in there, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. What do you think needs to happen now? So much. I think that there needs to be an actual investigation. Why do you think this story hasn't blown up? I mean, it's getting mm-hmm. some attention. But why do you think it hasn't blown up like on the national news stage? Like like what's happening with like yeah. George Floyd? Yeah. I mean, this this was... This is on that level. I think racism, I think anti-blackness, I think black folks go missing or murdered and folks treat it as if it didn't happen. Like there's missing black children. And you would think that because the museum held the remains of two black girls that there would be more people up in arms. People are more up in arms about what's happening in Canada and not here, right? Right. People can grapple with the Canadian situation where indigenous remains were found of children and talk about that, but folks don't want to address what is in front of them. So what do you think should happen now that people know what's happening is getting more attention right now? How do you think Penn should proceed? What do you think? I think that there has to be reparations. There has to be. And is it going to be a bomb for for you and for your family? No, it's not going to heal any wound. But they have made money off of using Tree and Delicious Remains for research to build their careers on. They've made a name for themselves. You know, Manj talked about being a part of the MOVE investigation in Philly Magazine when she was voted as like best of Philly 
you know, best anthropologist. So she used this to create and generate capital that black people have been used mm -hmm. in our lives and death to generate money, capital for these capitalists who right. are white supremacists. And so there has to be reparative action. And one of those actions needs to be reparations. Or like you said, some kind of restitution. Yeah. There has to be a firing of these folks. And no, that's not enough because the institution at the root is rotten. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a large scale kind of reckoning. Mm -hmm. Right. The kind of reckoning that I don't think that we are. I think you understand. Mm -hmm. And I think I understand or have an understanding of. But I don't think collectively black folks in Philly and nationally understand what kind of reckoning needs to happen because this is happening right elsewhere, too. On this scale of things, we've never seen anything like this before. No. And so the reckoning needs to be yeah. like something we've never seen before. Absolutely. I agree. And then a quick thing is, too, that we need to have an actual independent investigation to what happened. Like, we need all the resources for you and people who actually can do it well and have connection to the event can actually uncover. Because there's more stuff that we don't know, there's right? There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, we could do this all day. There's a lot to uncover. Yeah. But, of course, we're running out of time. So we got to stay on the move on this one. But before we go, let the people know how they can connect with you. On Twitter, it's MX Abdul Ali. M-X-A-B-D-U-L-A-L-I-Y. Free Mumia, free them all. Free Mumia, free them all. All right, folks, that's a wrap. I just want to thank you for coming on the show, Abdul Ali. And, you know, we'll do a follow-up to this because this is unfolding and unraveling yeah. every day. For the people out there, if you want to join in to support this work, Justice for Move, there's a lot of ways that you can support. One way that you can support is to go over to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Mike Africa Jr. Don't forget to tell a friend or family member about what's going on. Continue to listen to the podcast until next next week on the move on the move on the move with mike africa jr is executive produced by me mike africa jr and tommy oliver produced by crystal hill edited by masu mclemore and made for you the people <laughs>